thank you, Trevor, and choir, orchestra, and Miriam. Also, we had a special guest leading our music over in the other service today, in contemporary service. She's a senior at Shorter, and she's worked with our youth D-Now over the weekend. We're thankful for their work. I need to make two or three announcements before we get started. You want to turn to Acts chapter 19, Does Satan Know Your Name? I want to share with you that next Sunday, make sure you're here and be here early. Uh, Dr. Jerry Vines, one of the premier preachers in the United States, is going to be here. You want to come uh, with your prayed up and your Bible in hand and, and your pen right there to take some special notes. So we were able to get him booked, and then he will also have his driver with him, and they'll be selling some of his uh, books that you want to buy. And then mark down March the 3rd. Mark Rick is going to be here. We are having people call the church right now wanting to buy tickets. The event is free, but if people ask you, we do accept donations. <laughs> and somebody may be in your seat that Sunday. Let them have your seat. We will have seats everywhere. And so please help us with this. On that day, we're all filling out guest cards, members and non-members. That makes non-members more comfortable filling those out. And then we'll also uh, have a policy. There's no meet and greet. Uh, it costs us so much for him to come. And then if he's going to meet and greet and sign autographs, he's going to charge us another $5,000. So there will be a police officer around him at all the times. And he's not trying to be, it's my fault that he stuck up that day, okay? Because we just can't be doing that. That's a whole lot of money that we just don't want to spend. You'll notice the advertising around town, the digital board on uh, Turner McCall. Uh, that's only 35 bucks a day. And so I want you to make sure that you're here in your place early on those days. The other thing that I'm going to request that we do is with, with our music, uh, if we could get, there's not going to be room for choir members to go down and sit with their families when Mark Rick comes. So just plan to stay in your place, and we may have to seat some extra people up in the choir loft as well. And we're going to ask Mr. King that our orchestra stays in place for the whole hour. It doesn't hurt my feelings when people hit the door and leave after the music's over. But it's rude when you got a guest here. So we just want to make sure that we're on our best behavior. Is that all right with y'all? Am I speaking out of line here? I'll know when I get home at lunch. So <laughs> Acts chapter 19, beginning with verse 13. Does Satan know your name? Never preached on this text before. Let's see how it goes. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Siva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered, Jesus I know and Paul I know about, but who are you? And then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Well, when this became known to the Jews and the Greeks living in Ephesus, 
they were all seized with fear. And the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachma. Tom Pilcher and I were eating lunch one day in a restaurant in Rome last week. And you know how you're sitting there and you feel like somebody keeps staring at you. Well, a man just kept staring at me. And then when he started to leave, the waitress was between us and him. So he waited on the waitress to move. And he walked up to me and he said, sir, I know you. I said, well, who am I? And he said, well, I'm not sure. But I've been in a lot of meetings with you before. And he said, I know you well. So I, I told him my name. That didn't ring any bells. He says, I've been in some Gideon Bible conferences with you. I said, I have never been in a Gideon Bible conference in my life. I said, we don't even have guest speakers at our church. We just take up an offering and give to the Gideons. I said, well, who are you? He told me his name, and he said, I'm a church of Nazarene preacher. But he said, I'm pastor in a United Methodist church. I thought this man must be walking around confused all the time. If you, if you hooked up like that, I said, you've got to be a shock for that church. He said, well, I went to the conference last year. said, I told the United Methodist Church not to withdraw from the North Georgia Conference. And he said, I went, and it was like Sodom and Gomorrah. So I went back and said, let's divorce ourselves from the North Georgia Conference. And so that man talked a little bit, and he finally went away. Now today, I don't want to know who you know. I want to know who knows you. Does Satan know your name? He's, omni he's not omnipresent. He's not omnipotent. He's not omniscient. But does Satan know your name? Back in those days, you'll see in Acts chapter 19... There were people who were Christians who were empowered so they could cast out demons. I read about a man one day. He used to walk around testifying. He said, God's called me to heal the sick, raise the dead, and to cast out demons. And one day he got a little tongue-tied, and he said, God called me to cast out the sick, heal the dead, and raise the devil. And I some people that do that. It says here there were some vagabond, or there were some wandering Jews. Now look at verse 19, verse 11. They were kind of looking around. They saw God did some extraordinary miracles through Paul. And one of the special miracles Paul was doing was casting out demons. Well, these old boys, these sons of Siva, Siva was probably a Pharisee, had seven sons and they were not saved. They were Jews, but they were lost. They liked to find some ways to make money every now and then. So here's one of my favorite little passages here. So these Jews went around driving out spirits to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. And they would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. In other words, they were not called. They were not God-endorsed. They were not God-empowered 
But they decided they'd make money by going around finding people that were possessed by a demon and call on the name of Jesus to cast him out. Well, one day down in verse 15, they, they came in verse 16, they came upon a man who was demon possessed. And one day, look at verse 15. And one day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are these seven sons of Siva? Notice that word is know is to know by experience. I know Jesus by experience. I know about Paul and his work by experiential knowledge. But these seven sons of Siva, I don't know who they are. Verse 16. Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on those seven old boys, overpowered them. He gave them such a beating, they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Now in Silver Creek, they beat the daylights out of them. They whipped their tail. The, the man that was possessed by the demon was given the power to defeat seven grown men. Does the devil know your name? There's some Christians the devil has never heard of. And there's some of which he's very familiar you mentioned some Christian's name to the devil. He has no idea who you're talking about. He's never had any reason to become acquainted with them. But on the other hand, there's some who cause him concern all the time. Now, first of all, just write this down. Does the devil know who you and I are? Write this down. A poor testimony for a Christian. We have a little bit of a skeptical age about the existence of demons. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know that witchcraft is practiced in Rome in Floyd County. Witchcraft usually goes along with drug use. Then we've got the cults that thrive in our town as well. So I want you to know that back in those days and even in our time, you've got an occult invasion of unprecedented size. Now demons can be exercised by those who know how. And it seems that this is necessary to know the demon's name. In Mark 5, verse 9, or to involve a superior power or name. The Jews used to use Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But the greatest name, the name above every name, is the name of Jesus. So the rabbis were a little bit annoyed. Some Jewish exorcists tried to enhance their reputation by involving the name of Christ. And that's what the wandering Jews were seeking to do. Now notice in verse 14, the seven sons of Siva, a Jewish priest, they were doing this. The chief of the priest. This is a word reserved in the gospel of Acts and Hebrews for the high priest and those members of the Sanhedrin. So these sons of Siva, Siva was probably the high priest. And these are his seven sons that got their tail whipped getting out here in a spiritual battle. These were lost people trying to perform miracles in the name of Jesus. Well, if the devil's not familiar with you, that indicates three things, three things about us. First of all, the devil, listen, will, be, will not be familiar with you if you are not a practicing Christian. Have you got that? 
Someone said, well, the devil is perfectly willing for a person to profess Christianity so long as he doesn't practice it. As long as you're not a soul winner, as long as you're not involved in a church, as long as you're not standing for Christian principles in your neighborhood and your society, there's no reason for the devil to know your name. I heard about two old boys were out, two friends out talking on the street, and one of them looked at the other one. You know, guys never gossip. And the guy, one guy said his friend, he said, do you hear about Harry? He said, no, what happened to Harry? He said, he has embezzled a half million dollars from the company where he works. And the other guy said, that's horrible. And then he said, well, not only that, Harry has stolen a car. The other guy said, well, that's terrible. He said, not only that, Harry not only stole a car, but he was drunk driving when he stole the car. He said, oh, no. He said, well, oh, Harry has also run off with Tom's wife. The old boy said, that's terrible. And the other man said, but you know what I'm worried about most? He said, he's our Sunday school teacher, and I don't know who's going to teach Harry this Sunday. When a person calls themselves a Christian, <laughs> they're making the claim that they are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then in verse 26 of Acts chapter 11, and we found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people, and the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. We're called Christ's followers first at Antioch. The devil has no reason to know some Christians because they're those who sing like a saint on Sunday. And I want you to know they're living for Satan on Monday. They're people who come to church and they'll tie the 10th on Sunday. And on Monday, they'll stop at one of our new liquor stores and they'll buy a fifth. Listen, in order to be known by Satan... You've got to be standing for the Lord Jesus Christ. Second thing I want you to write down is this. The devil does not know you. You're not participating in ministry. There are many church members, but very few involved in ministry. We've got a lot of worshipers who come, but not many involved in kingdom work. And if you're going to remain a strong Christian, you've got to remain strong in your faith and strong in your service. I read a little story about back during the pandemic. It's a roller coaster, a wooden roller coaster that's out in California. It's on the National Historic Landmark. And I want you to know that it will have its 100th birthday in 2024. I personally don't want to ride a wooden roller coaster that's 100 years old. I assume they replace them two by fours every now and then, and they always use yellow wood. But they decided that during the pandemic, that in order for that roller coaster to stay in shape, it had to be run 12 times a day through its complete cycle. Well, they thought it looked pretty stupid since there weren't any people in the park. So they went to the places where they have the dark games and all those other things. And they took stuffed animals and filled the roller coaster cars full of those animals. And 12 times a day, they rode those dummy riders around on that roller coaster. It was at great expense. But they said if you didn't keep the roller coaster in shape, it would just be in shambles and totally ruined after the COVID pandemic was over. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, here's what I believe with all my heart. God has given each Christian at least 
one gift. And if we're not using that spiritual gifts or our spiritual gifts, we're going to lose them. We've got to stay in shape. We've got to keep pressing on for the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, not professing your face to lost people. If there's one quick way for the devil to find out who you are, is if you start sharing Christ with lost people. And I'll tell you why that is. That's because you're taking people to heaven with you, and you're taking his servants away from him. I was reading the other day about John R. Rice. He was a great, great preacher and Bible scholar. And back in his day, there was a, an evangelist named Gypsy Smith. John R. Rice said, at our church, we hosted Gypsy Smith and said, Gypsy had a passion to win lost people to Christ. And he said, the sermon that day, Gypsy Smith said, and I'm going to, I'm going to challenge every one of you that when you go out on the city streets, when church is over today, the first person you find, I want you to tell them how to trust Jesus as Savior and Lord. John R. Rice said that made such an impression on him. He said, when church was over, I went out onto the sidewalk, just like Gypsy Smith said. And there was a cab driver standing by his cab. And John R. Rice walked up and said, sir, do you know Jesus do you know that when you die, you're going to heaven? And the cab driver started crying. He said, well, when did you get saved? Cab driver said, there was a man named Gypsy that walked by me about five minutes ago and led me to a saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to have a passion to win lost people. And as soon as you start sharing your faith, guess what? Satan knows your name. And I'm going to tell you what happens when Satan knows your name in just a few minutes. The second thing you want to write down is a powerful testimony for a Christian. Acts 19, 15 through 17, evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, Paul I know about, but who are you? And they talked about them getting beaten. But down in verse 17, when this became known to the Jews and the Greeks living in Ephesus, they were seized with fear and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ was held up high. The evil spirits knew Jesus personally all right. They knew him and trembled at his name. He had waged victorious wars against them during his life on this earth. Time and time again, he had defeated Satan. Their master demons could not stand him singly or by the legion because Jesus lived an immaculate life. He lived a perfect life. He lived a powerful life. So when the demon says, Jesus, I know... He says, I know him. I've acquired that knowledge from what I've seen in the past. But then he says, I know about this man named Paul. I've observed him. And I'm just not going to mess with him. I'm going to keep a certain distance between me and him because he's operating in the power of God. Now look at Acts 19, 16, the terror of the Exodus. Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them. He gave them that bad bleeding. Notice this. The spirit that possessed the wretched demoniac and that the son of Siva sought to oppose was a, a terrible one. And notice here. Paul was known by Satan. Why? Write this down. First of all, because he lived a holy life. 
In verse 20, he says uh, in chapter 1 of Philippians 20 and 21, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, for me to live with Christ, to die is gain. Paul said, I want to do everything I can to please Christ. And if you want to live a life experiencing the sanctification process to be more, made more like Christ, and if you want to live a life for the Lord Jesus Christ, Satan knows your name. Now, here's what I hear some people say every now and then. People get saved. You know, when we tell people about how to be saved, turn from your sins, accept Jesus as your Savior, and one of these days you're going to heaven, they think, man, nothing bad can happen to me. I've talked to people after they've been saved for a month, and they say, man, my life is the worst it's ever been. What in the world's gone wrong? Well, you've been watching TV. You've been watching these health and wealth guys that say, if you save, you ain't ever supposed to get sick. You're supposed to always get well, and you're supposed to be wealthy. And send your seed money to me. Start with a $100 gift today, and you can do it online. And if you send your money, you're an idiot. I know the Bible says don't call people that. I'm not. You're making yourself an idiot if you send that seed money in. Now listen to me carefully. If you're going to live a holy life and you're going to be saved, all of a sudden you're going to have some antagonistic things happen to you. Because when you are saved, you're moving from Satan's side over here to be adopted into the family of God And all of a sudden, you're the number one enemy of Satan, and bad things are going to happen. Sometimes I get hate letters. Can you believe that? Most of them are not signed. I think it's my size that intimidates people from signing hate letters. And, you know, I've had several death threats. You know, the last death threat I had, the call was this. Listen, the hitman is going to be hired by this millionaire probably. You need to stay armed at all times. And I said, well, I'm armed most of the time, but if it's a hit, man, he's going to see me before I see him. And why are people mad at me? Because I want to preach the word of God, and God's given me some Bible-based convictions, and we need to keep Jesus high and lifted up, and our society doesn't want to hear that. And then if they pop me off, Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Listen, come by the family visitation. Delane will be sad. They'll be playing my bloopers on the little video up there on the wall. You want to see all of those? And then they'll file the life insurance policies, and then Delane's grief process will start moving forward. And and things will just get so good. She's going to miss her garbage man, though. She's going to miss him real bad. She's going to miss the dishwasher. It's just a lot of intimate things she's going to miss like that. But ladies and gentlemen, you're going to be opposed and bad things are going to happen to you if you're going to stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not trying to be obnoxious. Satan knows your name. And notice what else. Paul lived a life marked by heavyweight victories in Christ. G. Campbell Morgan said, Holiness is not exemption from conflict but victory through conflict. 
Paul said in 2 Corinthians 2.14, But thanks be to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. I think of this demon in our story. It says there, I know Paul. I'm sure demons have talked among themselves how, how, how they had done everything in their power to bring old Paul down, but just nothing ever works. I was reading the other day, I don't go to the movies much, but I heard that Top Gun, Maverick, was nominated for five Oscars in 2023 and was the 2023 winner for Best Sound. The blockbuster's sequel, three decades after the original, featured a new version of football created specifically for the movie. They came up with a new football game called Dogfight Football. And you got two teams, offense, offense, defense, defense. And both teams are playing at all times with two balls. It's total pandemonium. What they were trying to do is teach pilots teamwork somehow through dogfight football so they'd know how to get along and operate when they were out on dangerous missions. It's a great picture of what Christians face every day. We're required to play offense and we're required to play defense when we belong to Christ. And then a purposeful testimony. Look at 19, Acts 19, verse 17 through 20. And this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus. They were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. Verse 19. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, it came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Listen carefully. What kind of testimony do you want to have as a Christian? First of all, I want a continuous commitment to Christ till the day I die. Living for Jesus is not a part-time or full-time job. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. We, we ought to say by the help and the grace of God, until the day God calls me home, I can say like Paul, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Theodore Roosevelt said it's better to be faithful than famous. Now listen to me carefully. It's not the famous that are going to be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ. It is the faithful believer. The writer of Hebrews said, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles us. He said, let's do this with patience. I was reading the other day about a guy named John Bingham. 40, 43. He said, I weighed 240 pounds. I was a couch potato. Now he is a writer for a world running and marathon magazine. He said, you know how I got started running? He said, the hardest thing in the world. He said, I had to get off the couch and go to the starting line. He said, I'd like to never got there. And see, that's what we got to do. We, we've got to be a continuous witness for Christ. And then a continuous confidence in the Lord. We must never forget that it is only by the Lord that we can run well. 
and that we can finish well. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 31, I face death every day. Yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He said, I die daily. Does that describe us? He said, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Acts 19, 17, when this became known to the Jews and the Greeks living in Ephesus, all were seized with fear. The name of the Lord Jesus was held up high. I've had a lot of fun taking these little posters and big posters just wherever I'm running an errand to get the word about Mark Rick coming. The majority of our town, the vast majority is lost. You go look at our high schools and about 3% of our kids in high schools are even saved. The reason is the generation behind them, their parents, they missed it. And a lot of those homes are a mess. We've got, to get, we've got to get the gospel out, folks. I, I walked in one place, and uh, I walked up to the manager, and I said, uh, I gave him one of the little ones, and said, would you, would, you, uh, would you like to come to this? Looked at me and said, I sure will. This lady's in her 30s. I don't know if she's saved. She said, by the way, if you have a bigger poster, I'll hang that in the front of our business. I said, I think I happen to have one of those, and I, I don't carry those in. I go back to the car and get those and bring them out. And then there was a young guy with a, he was an employee there. He had on a Georgia sock cap. He says, I want one of those. He said, I want to come to that. And let me tell you what Jeff did. If you look there, there's a little cute uh, place where you scan on the side. They don't want that. They want, they want to scan the queue because it's in their phone. It's going to remind them. Well, I got through. Delane was over there waiting on me at the car. This lady walked up to me with a faded out, looked like a 20-year-old Georgia sweatshirt. She was missing three front teeth. And she walked up to me and she said, Sir, did you just mention Mark Rick? I said, Yes, ma'am. She says, He coming to Rome? I said, Yes, ma'am. She praised God. And she said, Could I have one of those? I said, Yes, ma'am. You sure can. And she got that, and her daughter was drying her car down. She said, honey, Mark Rick coming to town. He's coming to Pleasant Valley South. I wonder where that is. We going to be there, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God for you. And she waved at us as we drove out of the parking lot. Walked in a golf shop, handed them a small one. They said, you got a big one? We can put in the door. I said, we sure do. And so doing that just all over town. I even went to the shoe store to get Delane's shoes fixed. And I laid one down there. They said, man, if you've got a bigger one of those, we'll put it up. You know what we're going to do? Sowing the seeds of the gospel to everybody, social, economic, racial, whatever it is. Jesus said he came that all men might be saved. But guess what? When you go out doing this, Satan knows your name and he's going to oppose you. You understand that? 
So we got to keep our confidence in him. Now notice this. When the people saw the power of Paul, the people magnified the Lord. You see, back in those days, cults and witchcraft just had people almost handcuffed to that kind of stuff. Now, I want you to read down here a little further in verses 18 and 19. The people in Ephesus, the Christians were so convicted of the spiritual warfare that was going on that even was misleading Christian people. It says that the Christian people got together and burned their books on witchcraft and sorcery. Ladies and gentlemen, every now and then your doorbell rings and somebody wants you to offer you the lighthouse and somebody's wanting to talk to you about Jehovah's Witnesses, and somebody's wanting to talk to you about the Mormons, don't be ugly to them. Don't engage in a long conversation with them. Get them the gospel. Always take their information. Burn it or put it in your trash can immediately. That's what we need to do because that takes it out of circulation. There was a person here years ago that was in law enforcement. And I tried to lead them to Christ. And we had several close, close calls with that person getting saved. And finally, they, they looked at me one day and said, you know, I don't want to live a good life. I said, well, you don't have to live a good life to get Jesus in your heart. I don't want to live a good life and live by all these laws I enforce. And I want you to know that that person left the force and got into drugs and a witchcraft. How sad, just right here in Floyd County. The people of Ephesus were so impressed. The testimony of the public repudiation of former eras led to many more conversions as a great impact was made by this as by the affairs of Siva's son. I'm amazed every year at how many people come from all over the world to run the Peachtree Road Race. I always try to check in on that on the TV. And I often wonder if they tell us how many people actually die every year running that race, but there's usually some people that what? They stumble, they fall, You've got to start hydrating properly and eating properly for days before you run that race. And you better have been training for it for years. It's important to be hydrated because cardiovascular, because of breathing, because of oxygen level, and so many other things. And every now and then you'll see people, they just collapse. They don't make it to the finish line. It's really sad to watch. Ladies and gentlemen, you'll notice at the Peachtree Road Race, every so many hundred yards, there's what you call a feeding station. There's places with water and Gatorade. And the smart person that's running that race is going to take advantage of getting hosed down and get a little something to drink 
as they're running. As born-again believers, if we're going to live for Christ and we're going to count for Christ and Satan knows our name, we better make sure we're taking advantage of the feeding stations. God has given us his word. He's given us his wisdom for the asking. He's given us his power so we can stand confidently for him. And I want you to know that he's given us his perfect plan and his perfect will for our life. For us us to stand when Satan attacks, we've got to be sure that we're prepared We're equipped, and we've stopped at all the feeding stations. I don't know about you. I want Satan to know my name because that means that I'm living a holy, spirit-filled life and trying to share the gospel with lost people who need to know about the cross, the blood, the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the eternity that waits. Just going to leave you with a question today. Does Satan know your name? Or are you one of God's secret agents? Would you stand? Heavenly Father, thank you for meeting with us today. Simple message. One we don't look at very often. And... Lord, we pray that we will be able to stand for you in a nation and in a world that is just a model of what Sodom and Gomorrah was that you destroyed. It's a model of what happened during the days of Noah. And you're just wanting us to be your light to shine out here in the middle of all this darkness. Help us boldly stand for you. Remember, we can never lose our salvation. Remember that you're always with us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. And you've got us covered as our daddy, our heavenly father. Till you take us home and throughout all eternity. Lord, we're praying in the days ahead, if you should linger, we're going to see scores of people come to know you as Savior and as Lord, and we know that you get the total credit for any increase that comes. It's not us. We just want to be your instruments. So if you're here today and you never trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord, I'm going to ask you to do that this morning. All you got to do is confess that you're a sinner, turn away from your sins, and invite Jesus in your heart. Some of you have already made that decision. You need to make it public, be a candidate for baptism and church membership. And others of you here have been our guests for a long time. You've prayed about it. God's given you peace. You need to invest your spiritual gifts in this place. Lord, we want to thank you in advance for public and private decisions that are about to be made. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, musician and Eric and Richard are coming forward over in the Family Life Center. If you feel comfortable coming forward during the invitation, we ask that you come. If not, go to the east end of the building to the Connect desk over in the Family Life Center. They'll meet with you there. If you're comfortable coming forward here with your decision, we invite you to come. If not, meet Ted or me at the Welcome Center desk. 
if you're listening on your electronic device, you have a prayer need, and you need to, or you need to trust Christ, just call 706-234-1841. Leave a message. We'll get to you as soon as possible. Mark's leading us now. You come as God speaks to your heart.